Hey everybody, it's almost June 16th, which means this is the final episode before you can officially submit your application. That being said, I wanted to go over 10 of the biggest things to consider before sending it in. Welcome back to the Read Dot Dentistry Pre-Dental Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Lundquist, and I am laying my journey of getting accepted into dental school all out on the table so you can get in as well. Please make sure to follow this podcast for updates on Instagram at read.dentistry underscore podcast or by joining the read.dentistry future dentist group page on Facebook. Also, you can now subscribe to the read.dentistry pre-dental nation YouTube channel for many helpful videos. Now stay tuned for episode 45, where I go over my top 10 things to consider before submitting your dental school application. American professional tennis player and former world number one in women's single tennis, Serena Williams once said, I've grown most not from victories, but setbacks. If winning is God's reward, then losing is how he teaches us. I've admired Serena Williams for such a long time. When I think of dominance in any one sport, she has to be among one of the first that comes to mind. Isn't this an amazing quote that comes from arguably the best to ever compete in women's professional tennis? Even the best recognizes she was only able to get to the top through first experiencing setbacks. Thank you as always for joining me. I really hope all of you are staying safe and doing well. I know with everything going on that things might be really stressful in your lives, especially considering we are only five days away before you can submit your applications. And some of you might still be having problems with scheduling your DAT because of the pandemic. Um, If you're feeling frustrated in any way, please know that I'm thinking about you and that I just want you to know that you are awesome. And I sincerely mean that. Um, Anyone who has taken the time to simply listen to one of these podcasts has shown that you care enough about your future to the point where you listen to some random incoming pit dental student just so you might have an additional advantage of getting into dental school. And independent of your statistics or anything else going on in your life, please know that your humility alone already puts you way ahead of the curve. It really doesn't matter if you get into dental school this cycle or not, because either way, you're going to have a bright future if you just keep going. I wish I could appropriately express how proud I am of all of you for everything that you do. So just moving forward here, first, I'm very excited to announce an interview I have planned potentially for next week. I'll be interviewing a member of the black community who is currently a dental student at Louisville. And this episode is going to be centered around raising awareness for racial discrimination and how it relates to our pre-dental slash dental community. Furthermore, we are going to be going over ways in which we can improve um, to inspire more blacks and other students from minority groups to pursue dental school if they so desire. He is so inspiring, and I really believe he's going to have a huge influence on both blacks and minority groups who might be holding back from their dreams of becoming a dentist because of discrimination. And I should have that interview ready to go for Tuesday, but it might be potentially a little bit later because he is very busy, but I really appreciate the time that he's going to take to come onto the podcast and offer his perspective. And second, I wanted to revisit the information I've been putting out about starting a free weekly newsletter and just go over why this um, will benefit you. And if you already know, you can just go ahead and skip, uh, you know, skip 
in front in the podcast, skip ahead a little bit. Um, but I'm going to go over those five reasons in case you haven't heard them already. Um, first, you will have the chance to ask any questions you have concerning the process of getting admitted into dental school. And I will answer all those questions in the newsletter. To ask your question, all you'll have to do is reply to the weekly newsletter and the responses will be answered the following week. And number two, you'll, you will have access to my resume. You'll be able to see anything from my personal statements to LORs I received, my academic transcript, experiences, and many more. Third, um, you will receive additional tips and advice that maybe you won't be able to get here on the podcast because I'm going to answer you specifically. And four, um, you will have the opportunity to hear from more featured students who will have additional advice as well because they are going to be in a part of the newsletter. I'm going to reach out to them and have them write a little something, you know, specifically for anyone who is subscribing to the newsletter. Number five, it'll be a chance to build community, whether it be with myself or other people that are in dental school or among the pre-dental community to establish those connections is so important. I am a huge advocate of networking. And to be enrolled in this newsletter, it's super simple. So here are the instructions. First, you will find this episode on Spotify. You'll hit the three horizontal dots in the upper left corner and then hit the option to share. You'll then see where you can hit Instagram stories. This will allow you to share the podcast episode to your storyline on Instagram. After that, all you'll have to do is tag me in the story post. The tag is read.dentistry underscore podcast. And when I see the tag, I will DM you and request your email. And that's it. You'll then have free access to the weekly email that I know you'll find extremely valuable. And I think this will serve as an amazing opportunity for us to have a more personal slash meaningful relationship. And you'll be able to have your individual concerns addressed. And I do want to go over, if you don't have an Instagram, I'm going to allow you the opportunity to go onto Facebook. You can share because I'm always sharing this post to the um, Reed Dot Dentistry Future Dentist Group page on Facebook, so you can you know go on there and just comment and say you wanted to be you want to be added to the newsletter as well, or you know better yet, go on to that group page and just say one thing that you liked from today's podcast. I think that would be super helpful and just trying to advance the conversation and um, encourage participation in that group. And this is also that you guys can benefit and just be able to help each other out as well, because I'm not the only person who has the answers for you. In fact, I don't even have all the answers, but there's a lot of people who do and collectively we can work together and just help each other out. I think that's so valuable. A lot of pre-dental students could testify of my willingness to respond individually and address their concerns because I've received many DMs on Instagram and Facebook and always promptly respond. Um, With the exception to yesterday, actually, I was super busy moving. So I saw that there was a question that I let six hours go by without uh, answering. So forgive me for that. But uh, that that was an exception to the rule. And I hope that I haven't missed any of, you know, anybody else. But it's always my goal to respond ASAP. And I've loved this because it's given me a chance to understand those students from a much less superficial level. And finally, I just wanted to express further Um, my appreciation for those of you who take the time to leave this podcast a review, it really means a lot to me because it helps me to know how I can better serve you all by seeing what it is that you want to hear. And please know that I'm always looking for ways to improve the quality of this podcast. For those of you who have been following me since the beginning, you know that the first 30 episodes of this podcast were all solo. 
so you were just hearing my voice. Since then, seven of the last 14 episodes have all centered around bringing in outside perspective through interviews. And I really feel comfortable in saying those interviews have brought a wide variety of experiences to the show in ways that I know are beneficial to so many. There are certain things that I'm not qualified to personally talk about because I haven't experienced them and I don't have all the answers, but I'm so grateful for the amazing people I've brought onto the podcast and the amazing people who I have planned to bring onto the podcast because they truly provide so much additional insight that help to improve the quality of what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think it's important to clearly state what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Um, my goal of this podcast has been for it to serve as a uh, a resource in which anyone pursuing dentistry can come to and receive anything they need to know about how to apply and get accepted into dental school. And that is an extremely broad subject when you think about it because we all have very unique circumstances. You know, just the other day I was interviewing somebody who was from Iran and, you know, she went to school um, her undergrad in Canada, and she got into dental school through a very um, non-traditional route. And, you know, the same thing with the interview just on Tuesday, where we went over non-traditional routes. And, you know, the student who I interviewed on uh, Tuesday, she ended up first pursuing a master's. So that's why there's just so much information out there that, um, you know, that we need to collectively um, just gather and put into this podcast. And I'm always referring, you know, um, those perspectives, or I'm, I'm always referring you guys to other people who are putting out this information. So it's not like all the information is going to be here. But through this podcast, I hope that you can find, um, you know, where you need to go to get the necessary information as well. So this is why it's been necessary and so beneficial to bring in these outside perspectives, because I could only tell you what worked for me. But the more I bring in others and they share what worked for them, you will all truly have a better idea and vision for what it takes. Unfortunately, for those of you currently listening to the podcast, I'm only in the beginning. Um, so, you know, the qual- so the quality is going to keep improving and you're getting the worst of the quality right now. Or, you know, if you um, listened in February, but know that it's going to be all of you who are making this possible and that through your willingness to listen, you are allowing the podcast to grow and benefit so many more students who will be applying in the future. Naturally, the podcast will continue to evolve and improve. So I'm very excited about that journey of progression. I think I can already say from the beginning, just four months ago, I've already noticed a complete difference. And that really excites me. I know the audio isn't always the best. So I really appreciate your patience with that. As I go, I'm definitely making plans to upgrade equipment so that I can deliver better quality. But for now, I hope that your needs are being met. If not, please let me know if there's anything you want me to go over or if there's anything else you'd really love to see so that I can improve this podcast for you. And you can do you can do that by reaching out to me over Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. I'm going to provide all of those links in the description below. And as always, before I dive into today's podcast, please allow me a quick 30 seconds to recognize the sponsor of this podcast because they have done so much to make this show possible. And now here are the 10 things to consider before submitting your application. And I am not going to say these in any type of ranking order. These are simply 10 of the things that first came to my mind. And so I consider them among the most important. And 
again, at the end, I'm going to ask that if you have any other things that you think are really important to consider before submitting your application, I will invite you to comment those things, whether it be on the post on Instagram for this um, podcast episode, or you could do so on Facebook. That way, you know, we can help each other out and share what you have found helpful. So the first thing is make sure you sent your DAT scores to all dental schools. And I think that this is something that should be done pretty organically. You may have done it without even realizing it when you signed up to take the DAT, but I wish I had the specific instructions for how you can make sure. However, um, I do know that you will want that those DAT scores automatically sent out and you want to select to every dental school because if not, I believe you do have to end up paying for that service for each specific school if you end up deciding to apply to an additional dental school after you've already submitted. But all of the schools should have already received those scores. So if you haven't taken the DAT, make sure that you do select that option. And if you have taken it and you didn't select that option, then we might need to talk and figure out how we can um, you know, address that issue because I don't have that for you, unfortunately. Um, make sure you, this is number two, sorry. Make sure you meet the prerequisite prerequisites to the schools you're applying to. If you've been faithfully listening to this podcast, you will know that I talk about this quite a bit. There's many schools that you can apply to that you might not be eligible to apply to, such as schools. Um, I don't know if it's every school in Texas, but a few dental schools in Texas, they only accept in-state residents, and there might be a few more schools that fit this criteria, or um, there might be some schools that they do accept out-of-state residents however it's very few and so that might be really good to know and then along as you know and along with some more prerequisites there could be a potential course that a school might require that maybe you didn't take because you know majority of schools didn't require that course there could be a number of things one that stands out to me was at the university of west virginia they wanted a letter of recommendation from a physics teacher and i was about to apply to west virginia however i did not have that letter from a physics teacher and i didn't really feel like going back and you know, looking up some random physics teacher from my college and being like, hey, remember me? Could you uh, please write me a letter of recommendation, even though you don't even really know me or remember me? So just, you know, those things you might uh, want to consider, or, you know, please consider them because you want to make sure that you are um, eligible to even apply to that school or else you're just going to be handing them over your money. You might as well just go watch that money burn. Um, number three, is your personal statement personal or is it going to sound like everyone else's? And I'm, I'm huge on this, everybody. Um, if, if you want more additional advice on um, personal statements and some tips that, um, I get, that I've given out, I would prefer that you listen to episode 30 after this podcast because I list 30 ways to make your personal statement stand out. Um, even if you've already written your personal statement, I know that you haven't submitted it yet. So please take the time to review your personal statement um, because I am such a big believer in the personal statement because it is the only thing or one of the only things, I think it's the biggest thing that's going to separate you from anybody else because you are different from everybody else. You have a story to tell. So this is really your chance to shine. And it's a personal statement. So they want it to be coming from you. They don't want you to write it like everybody else writes it. Um, I think it's really important to just um, 
you know, be mindful of who you are receiving your information from regarding the personal statement, because I know that I've seen, you know, some advice that says, you know, make sure you're focusing a lot on the dental aspect. And you know what? I don't really know if that's true or not. I can tell you that my personal statement was something that came from me. And yes, I did emphasize, and I think you do want to um, make sure that they know that dentistry is something that you want to pursue because that's very important. But I think to tie it into a way that's really personal to your life um, is very important. Um, sometimes I think that there could be some advice out there to discourage you from being you know, too personal and too cute. And I just don't know if I agree with that. And this is coming from a perspective. Now, I, I don't know if I'm right on this because I can only tell you what worked for me. But as a student who didn't have the greatest GPA, I think my overall GPA was like a 3-2. Science was lower than that. And then my DAT score, my average was a 20. I can tell you that I knew that I had to hit a home run on this personal statement and that I needed to write something that wasn't going to sound like everybody else because then I was not going to be recognized. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was going to be considered because why would I, if my stats weren't that good, like it, I had to jump out to them, not my stats. So my personal statement was an opportunity to do that as well as listing the appropriate experiences on my, um, on my dental school application. And I'm going to talk about this in a little bit on one of the tips. And if you want, um, I'm, I'm going to reference you to where you can hear more about um, including your personal experiences. But yeah, please, personal statement. I've been spending a lot of time on this tip because I am so passionate about it. Make sure it's personal and make sure that your first sentence captures attention because keep in mind, they are going to be reviewing tons of personal statements that you know, it could be likely that they're reading a hundred personal statements and you're the fit, you know, in a day, you're the 50th person or the 60th, 70th, whatever, and they're already burned out and tired. You want to capture their attention. So I think that's so important. You need to do that right from the beginning. Um, number four, the fourth tip have you um, applied to enough schools or perhaps too many? Um, and this requires an honest self evaluation and this might be one of the few times where you hear me give a little more attention to GPA and DAT scores in terms of them being higher, because um, if your stats are high, you know, like if, if you're above like even like a three, five, three, six, like, you know, and, and your DAT score is like really good in the 20s, um, you probably don't need to apply to 20 schools. You don't need to apply to 20 schools, but make sure the schools that you're applying to are ones that um, are reasonable, that you're meeting the prerequisites and ones that you do have likely that have a, have a higher chance of getting into because you don't want to apply to like every school that's like, you know, like the Harvards of the world or whatever, because you want to make sure that you're, you know, diversifying your chances. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit too, but 20 schools would be really excessive. I'm not going to give you a specific number as to what I think you should apply to, because, you know, I think that's for you to determine based on your financial situation and just what you feel is right for yourself. But for me, I applied to 10 and that may, or sorry, I applied to nine and that may have been, you know, too many because I got five interviews out of nine, it got to the point where it was like, wow, if I get another interview, I don't know if I can afford to go to it. But I don't regret that because I had no idea, you know, who I was going to hear back from. And I wasn't as confident in my stats. So I applied to about nine and you'll hear different recommendations. But um, I think 20 is excessive. But if your stats are a little lower, you might want to consider applying to more and to make this not more than 20, but just more in general. Um, if stats are a little lower, you might consider applying to more because to make um, 
or sorry, I, let me just go back on that a little bit. The reason why I think you might need to apply it a little more if your stats are lower is for simple reasons, because you just want to give yourself as much of a chance as possible. Obviously, if your stats are higher, you know, you probably do have a higher likelihood to get in. But um, with that being said, you guys know me. Like I, I always think that no matter what your GPA is or your DAT score, you still have a good chance to get into dental school so long as you do you know, everything else right, that you're being personal, that you're being genuine, that you're just a good person, you show that you're a hard worker and, you know, maybe that you can back up why, you know, your scores aren't so high, but why you would still be a good dental student, why you really did learn that information. For me, it was like, hey, like my GPA wasn't that good, but my DAT was pretty decent. So like, you know, I was learning that stuff, but I had, you know, these things going on in my life. Not that I was using that as excuses, but, you know, it was, it was what it was. Um, so to make this determination, this self-evaluation, whether you think your GPA is and your DAT score is high enough to where you might not need to apply to 20 schools or whatever, or maybe if you're a little bit lower and you might want to consider applying to at least 10 schools or so, um, you can visit a link I'm going to post below in the episode description. And here you can see the average GPA and DAT scores of admission by um, by the school, by each individual dental school there is. So you'll be able to compare your, and, and, and by comparison, like I, I hate comparison, like, you know, comparing yourself individually to somebody else, but it is nice to have like a reference of the averages. And I'm emphasizing averages because just because, you know, the average GPA is a 3.5 and you have a three, then that means there are probably students there that have a 3.0 GPA, which means that if they got in that you can too. But for each student that has a 3.0, that means somebody has a 4. So it doesn't mean that everybody has a 3.5 or above because then the average wouldn't be a 3.5. So you can get in with a below average GPA. And such was the case for me. Like I said before, Pitt was like a 3.73 average. I was at like a 3.2. That was well below the mark. But guess what? I still got in because I believed I, I didn't just beat myself up because of my GPA or my DAT score, nothing like that. But yeah, I'm going to leave that link below so you can, you know, just compare your scores. That way you have a better idea of the schools that you might have, you know, a better shot at getting into. Number five, it is about the money, money, money. Don't forget about the price tag. So forgive me for my lame attempt towards the remix of a Jesse J song, of Jesse J's song, but um, I'm trying to emphasize that. That's why I hope you remember by my beautiful singing voice. But uh, be aware of the cost. That's why I did the remix of that song. So it is about the money, money, money. Don't forget about the price tag. Um, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but there are fees, application fees. That shouldn't come as a surprise, but the supplemental application fees might come as a surprise. So application fees for the 2020-21 cycle, and I took this directly from the ADEA website, um, are $259. That will be for the first application. Here it says designation. Uh, that's kind of confusing, but yeah, the first application, if you only apply to one school, it will cost you $259 before submitting. Each additional school after that is going to be $112. So if you apply to two schools, take $259 plus $112. If you apply to you know three schools, um, add another $112 and you kind of see the trend there. And then like I just said, supplemental application fees, these generally range anywhere from like $50 to $100. Um, if you're applying to Tufts, they're a little bit more on the expensive side. I want to say it was like $90 to $95 or $100. And then, you know, some of the schools, I think I saw as cheap as 45, but I would say the median or yeah, the median, the mean, mm, yeah, I'm kind of forgetting my statistics course, but the average will go average is uh, about 60 to $70. So that can add up 
if you apply to 20 schools. Um, but also consider the travel fees to the interview. You know, if you start getting a lot of interviews, consider, you know, how much it's going to cost to travel. And this might actually change. I, I'm not sure. Maybe you guys know better than myself because of the coronavirus, like if they're going to be doing like in-person interviews. I was actually kind of making the prediction that they were going to just somehow be able to swing it off of Zoom. I think that would be interesting. But, um, you know, I, th- I guess I could see them still doing um, in-person interviews, but just, you know, going forth with caution. If so, just make sure that you're planning for that. Um, I would actually recommend, and not that I'm sponsored by these guys or anything, but if you are traveling, I would recommend using Hotwire, H-O-T-W-I-R-E, hotwire.com. Yeah, that one, you probably recognize that. Um, I had, <laughs> it's funny, I, I recognize like the tune, but I never actually used it until I was going to my dental school interviews. And the reason that they're pretty good is that like, they won't, like they'll give you a pretty good ballpark of where you can stay based on, you know, the location of where your dental school is. Like they'll give you like within, you know, a radius of X amount of miles from your location of interest. And then, um, you know, you can just get some really good deals from them. And like the way it works is they'll be like, okay, you'll stay at one of three of these uh, potential hotels. And then right when you book, it'll tell you the hotel that you're going to. And it'll be like a guaranteed quality of hotel. But in that way, it's like, I think it's cheaper because you're not specifically like booking, but they're able to find you the best deal through that process. But um, yeah, I would recommend using hotwire.com or maybe like hotels.com. Like once you get to that point, just so you can save a little bit on money, if money is an issue for you or whatever. Um, Also keep in mind matriculation deposits. Um, The matriculation deposits, that's going to be like after you get into dental school. So a little bit further down the line after your interviews, after you get the happy news that you're going to be a dentist. Um, Yeah, they can be very expensive, like at least you know, two of them um, were $2,000 because I matriculated into three schools. I first got accepted into Midwestern. Theirs was lower. It was Midwestern in Illinois. Their matriculation deposit was like only $200, I believe. But um, after that, like was, their tuition was going to be really expensive though. So that's kind of a disclaimer. But um, Lecom, they had a $2,000 non-refundable, which means you're not getting your money back after you submit that deposit. Even if you get into another school and you decide to withdraw, they're keeping your money. So that was $2,000. That was a lot of money to lose. But um, when I got into Pittsburgh, it was definitely worth it in the end. But that was also a $2,000 non-refundable deposit. So, But I knew that was the ending point for me. I decided to withdraw my applications from um, Nebraska and Buffalo, and I was on the waiting list for those schools. But yeah, I knew that if I got accepted there, obviously I wasn't going to withdraw my matriculation to my top school. So uh, yeah. I wasn't paying any more money for matriculation fees, but that's pretty expensive. Um, and then you're going to have things like FBI background checks to pay for. Um, and then your interview outfits. Sorry, this isn't, I wish this was like in better order of like, like better sequential order, but um, a little bit all over the place with, the, you know, the sequence of these things. But uh, yeah, interview outfits, that's another thing. So you get your interview, obviously you're going to want to look good. And so that might cost some money if you don't have a nice suit already or whatever for women. Um, I'm kind of staying in my lane here. I'm not going to really say like what to wear, but guess what? Um, I'm coming out or sorry, Macy Summer, who I interviewed in episode 33. You guys should go back and listen to that interview as well. Her and I are collaborating to do a YouTube video in which we're going to go over um, interview outfits and like, you know, like how to... um, how to appear, like, you know, appearance and dress. I don't know why I'm, I'm not being able to say this very well. 
But yeah, how you guys should present yourselves. <laughs> there we go. Um, at, during interview day. And so this will mean for guys like, um, you know, what you, you should wear in terms of like a suit, like your shoes, like just everything. And then for women, fortunately, um, you know, Macy is going to have that information for you. So I'm going to be excited to send you guys over to her um, YouTube video to see that. I think that's going to be a huge opportunity for um, anybody listening to this podcast where you'll be able to see my video. I'm going to give an example of, you know, what would be pretty acceptable um, to wear to these interviews. And then she'll do the same thing for women. Tip number six. Um, oh, and sorry, just kind of going backing up. The reason, so the money, like this may or may not be an issue. The reason I'm saying to consider this before applying is just, you know, make sure that um, you do have a plan to, um, you know, submit this money. Hopefully you have support or maybe you've, um, you know, established like your own funds in your life. But I understand that money can definitely be um, an issue. So just, just, you know, be aware of that before you apply because that, that can be a huge thing. Um, tip number six, have you listed all of your applicable experiences? And I, I just talked about this a little bit, a little bit ago. Um, if you want an example of the type of experience I included on my application, all you have to do is join my Facebook group, or you can go into my Instagram account and view my Instagram um, TV videos, IGTV, and you should be able to find the video where I go over them. I've also, um, on YouTube, I've also posted the video. So there's a lot of places where you can access this information. But either way, I'll post the links to um, those pages in the description below so you can kind of see you know, that you're making sure that you're including the necessary experiences because you don't want to sell yourself short. You want to make sure everything's on there. Something that I regret, I did not include that I was an Eagle Scout. That was kind of a big deal. It was a big thing to leave off of my application that could have helped me. But eventually, I, it all worked out for the best anyways. But, you know, make sure that you're really not missing anything. And, you know, just... Uh, and I leave these reference examples from mine so you can have a better idea of what, you know, dental schools would be looking at because it, you know, it worked for me, definitely didn't hurt me. So, um, and I don't, I don't want to say that like arrogantly or anything, but, um, I, 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 for me, like I've said, like my stats did not, was not why I got into dental school. I think it was because I was successfully be, I was successfully able to communicate the person who I was. And I did that through my personal statement and through my life experiences. Um, tip number seven, uh, I, this is to make sure you have a diversity of odds. And so by this, uh, I, I'm talking about um, diverse, diversity of odds of which you can get accepted into dental school based on the dental school. So, um, you know, you consider your chances of acceptance from higher to lower. Don't rule out lower chance schools. Um, and by that, I mean, don't rule out the schools that are higher reach. I, this is kind of sounding like really confusing right now, but but, you know, obviously there might be a lower chance to get into like the Harvards of the world or like, you know, the Pendentals of the world, but don't limit yourself. Um, you know, make sure you give yourself a chance. I'm not saying to only apply to those type of schools, but um, give yourself a chance to get accepted to schools you might consider that are out of reach, you know, the schools of your dreams, because that's what I did with Pitt. I didn't think I was going to get into Pitt, but I was like, ah, I got nothing to lose. Like I'm a local kid and I got in. So um, you just never know. You might have written your chances off of getting in somewhere, but you could very well surprise yourself. And then with that, you know, make sure you're applying to schools where you think that you have a better chance of getting into and then schools where maybe there's like a so-so chance. This way, it's just like, you know, if you ever have invested, um, you know, in stocks, you, it, you know, they generally suggest to have like a mixed, um, you know, types of stocks where you have low risk stock, stocks, medium risk and high risk, you know, a good portfolio. The same thing can apply towards um, your dental school chances or, you know, uh, the schools you're applying to for dental school. 
And then along the lines of diversity, tip number eight is to diversify the location of the schools that you're um, applying to. So some students might think they have less of a chance of getting accepted into out-of-state schools, but this really depends on the school. It might be beneficial to do some research about each school and see the class demographics. Um, There's some schools out there where there's not really a strong correlation between, um, you know, whether the students are from that state or out of state, but some schools, you know, they do have more in-state residents because they receive their funding from the state. So they have to meet a certain quota of in-state residents. Um, So all those things are very important to consider. And then obviously there's some schools where it's only in-state residents, Um, but I think it's important to diversify the location which you apply and you might consider applying all over the country. Um, If so, be willing to travel um, for the interviews. And I don't know if this will be different this year again because of the coronavirus. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But um, I felt like diversifying my location of where I applied to benefited me in my particular situation. And here's why. So I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I went to school out west at BYU-Idaho. And then also there's BYU, which is close by in Utah. And guess what? A lot of people in, in my religion, they love um, pursuing dentistry. And so out west, they see a lot of applicants like myself, you know, applicants who are of my faith, who served um, missions for two years in places like Brazil, you know, like proselyting. And they were proselyting missions, you know, to spread the word of Jesus Christ. And so that was a very unique experience here in the east, but it wasn't so unique like in places like Utah or anywhere out west because they saw a lot of students like me. But and in, in, in the you know when I interview with these East Coast schools, that was something that was really unique to them. It's like okay, like how many people just randomly went to Brazil for two years to do you know a, a mission trip like that? And so that was a and learned a foreign language like Portuguese. Out there, I wasn't unique, but out here, I was, and so I really think that helped me to stand out. And you know, while most of you aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there probably is something that makes you really unique where you would stand out at one place over another. Um, And so I, I would not be afraid to step outside the box. Just because a school has less um, out-of-state um, students than in-state students does not mean your chances of getting in are lower because, think about it this way, there's a certain number of in-state seats that they want to have filled. But with that, there's going to be more competition because there's more people from that state applying for those spots. Whereas people might, you know, they might have already assumed that, oh, I'm not going to get in because I'm out of state. But they do have some out-of-state spots to fill. And so your competition might be lower. So instead of competing, you know, being like, let's just say like, you know, just use an arbitrary number, like a thousand people competing for 10 seats, maybe you are... Um, among two people competing for one seat. You know what I mean? Like if, if that makes sense to you, you can see that it might not really matter that much that there's not that many out-of-state students because just the fact that you were out-of-state and you applied, maybe that will have um, that will improve your chances of getting in because there wasn't that many out-of-state students who applied because they thought that it was going to be all in-state students. But make sure that they accept out-of-state students first. Um, and then tip number nine, do you qualify as an in-state resident or does it even matter? So this is a big idea and this kind of ties back to money because obviously if it's like um, a state-run school, like it'll be cheaper for you, the tuition and all of those things, or maybe it doesn't even matter because it's a private 
privately run school. So that's just something to consider. And um, like, let's say that you want to uh, qualify as an in-state resident, but maybe you haven't quite lived in that state for a year, like find out the things that you need to become an in-state resident. Some of these schools you can actually attend and after a year, they will grant you residency. Such was the case at Buffalo. So Buffalo, the first year I would have been paying out-of-state tuition costs, but fortunately there, after a year, I could have pretty much everybody would have qualified to be an in-state resident. So at that point, you would be able to have you know lower tuition costs. So that is an amazing thing, something that's worth um, considering. And that, and unfortunately, that might only apply. That probably does only apply for you know um, if you're from the United States. So if you're international, like you know, I'm sorry. Hopefully, there's some good scholarships for you out there, and make sure to take advantage of those. And then finally, tip number ten. And this is most important. Take the time to acknowledge your success. You made it this far, and that alone is a major accomplishment. So, congrats, guys! I am telling you that um, when I submitted my application to dental school before I even got one interview, I honestly think that I was happier than when I actually got accepted into dental school. Why? Because at that point, I had done everything I could possibly do um, in terms of filling out the application and just getting my experiences down and just you know, life in general to apply to dental school. And that is, that is huge. That means you have taken all of these prerequisite courses, or at least you're close to finishing. You know, you've put in your job shadowing, you've gotten your letters of recommendation, you've written a beautiful personal statement and just all those things just add up and just mean that you are an amazing person. And so the result doesn't matter because at that point you really can't do much to control whether people are going to accept you, but you can control how you're going to, how you are going to respond. So please just take the time to just realize like how much you've accomplished in your life and um, I, I think that that will do you wonders and you'll just be able to feel that, you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay because I realize that I've done so much in my life just to get to this point to apply that if I've done this, I can, you know, I can do anything. And, you know, maybe that means I have to reapply or whatever. You'll definitely figure it out. And so these are my list of 10 things I have found very important to consider before submitting your application. And now I'm calling on you all to add anything you think is important, you can do so by commenting on today's Instagram or Facebook posts.